Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Thursday, November 3rd, and we're back for round two of the new format for Stat Nerd Thursday. If you missed it last week, we're now giving you, wait for it, one stat for every single team. Are you a fan of a team? Any team at all? We'll have a stat about that team for you. Get ready. It's exciting. I'm joined, as I always am on Thursdays, by someone who doesn't have to get ready because he stays ready. It's Dalton Del Don. Dalton, how we doing, buddy? What's up, Harmon? We have a lot of stats to get to, some trades to talk over. Let's get to it. No preamble for me. No no crying about my survivor loss or anything. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's talk some football, man. How are you doing? A shame. Uh, we will miss your <laughs> Uh, survivor updates every single week before we jump into it uh, do want to remind folks that we are going to have another friday live stream this week 1 p.m pacific um i, I think i still need to figure out who's going to do it with me but uh maybe scott maybe I, dalton doesn't want to talk to me three days in a row but we'll figure that out uh that is for sure it's for friday 1 p.m pacific yahoo fantasy youtube yahoo fantasy uh the twitter We'll be taking your questions. We'll be going through all the biggest, like, latest injury news that breaks on Friday as a little extension mini episode of the podcast. As you mentioned, Dalton, we do have a lot of trades to recap. We hit on a couple with Austin Eckler on the last podcast, but um, we are going to hit the big ones that we didn't get to uh, when we go team by team here. No Eagles because they're on TNF, so we'll get to them later. So that leaves us with the Buffalo Bills as we are going in order of best to worst. There is a reward for being a good team in the NFL. You get talked about early on this podcast. Buffalo Bills trade for Naheem Hines. They send Zach Moss uh, and a draft pick to the Colts to get Naheem Hines. Um, This has been a clear-cut focus for the Bills this year. They have desperately wanted a pass catching back. There was the great J.D. McKissick Wars. They took James Cook early in the NFL draft, and now they've traded for Naheem Hines at the deadline. And that has been, it's been reflected in Josh Allen's usage. He's thrown to running backs on 21.2% of his passes this year. That is the highest he's ever done. 15.4% in 2021, 13.5% in 2020. Um, So Dalton, how do we feel about Naheem Hines? He's a good player going to Buffalo right now. Last year, Singletary was among the leaders in running backs and routes run. Just not a very efficient pass catcher. Uh, clearly 
uh, the guy they won the, the first two downs, but they've been looking for this pass catching back. As you mentioned, Hines is going to take over that role. James Cook can be dropped in all fantasy leagues. Uh, and we'll talk about the indie situation there. But right after they traded Hines, it sounds like Taylor uh, you know, is dealing with that ankle injury again or a new one. Either way, uh, opens up wide open for Deion Jackson. Actually, this situation yeah. has me the most excited of all the fantasy managers actionable, too, because he's out there in many leagues. Um, so go get Deion Jackson. But um, yeah, uh, Bills are absolutely loaded. And if they felt this was the one area of need on offense, they addressed it. My guy, Gabe Davis, by the way, was shadowed far more by Jair Alexander than Diggs uh, last oh week, but clearly not not getting it quite as done as hoped. And the, the slots, too. No one's emerged from the slot either. So yeah, the Bills feel like this is an area of need and they addressed it. Yeah, and Heinz can split out a little bit. I mean, most of the talk about like running backs lining up in the slot, lining up out wide, like it never really materializes. But Heinz at least is a guy that can do that a little bit. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he eats into Isaiah McKenzie a little bit. I mean, Gabe Davis doesn't have the biggest target share anyways. That was never part of like the Gabe Davis formula. So I don't think that really changes much. But yeah, how how, do, how much does this like negatively impact Devin Singletary, who was kind of owning that passing down work, even if he was not the guy they wanted to do it? Um, does this take him from like, I think he was pretty much an every week RB2 start to maybe like a borderline RB3 type guy. Gabe Davis had a million targets at the end of week 17 or 18 last year and in the playoffs. And after the bye, when Emmanuel Sanders was out, he had a higher first down target share than Diggs over like the final 10 weeks last year. So my thesis was targets were going to be there. I was wrong about maybe the player and you were right. So I will concede that. But man, I didn't I just did not see the profile of being so boomer bust. I know it looks obvious now, but I just thought more targets would be there in an offense that passes the ball more than any other. But it simply has not been there. So, yeah, I mean, even though he's had some big fantasy games, I'm really discouraged. In, in the usage with with Davis there. What was the question? Yeah, this definitely hurts Singletary is going to come off the field on third down. So, I mean, more more so. I mean, they've been trying to do this. So, it definitely uh, a ding to his fantasy value. But he still remains whatever, uh, you know, around the RB 20 to 25 range. I mean, he's going to score touchdowns in that Bills offense. Um, but uh, it, it limits his upside because of the, the lack of, of targets. Mike Evans, wide receiver 11. Uh, in fantasy points right now, Dalton, uh, Yahoo, you know, God's game, Yahoo standard, obviously, uh, Gabe Davis 31. How do you feel? I don't feel great. Um, and that, that crumbling <laughs> Tampa Bay defense is going to lead to a ton of pass attempts, too. I mean, if Brady, you know, maybe he'll be out of here. But if he does last this whole season and, and, and Evans is definitely the favorite to win our bet for sure. I mean, whatever. They're going to go out and drop like a, a absolute hammer, you know, and Gabe Davis will do that and he'll be back up to like 13. This is how wide receivers go. Uh, let's move on to the next team here. We got another trade. It's a good thing that good teams are out there making those trades. The Minnesota Vikings, they get TJ Hawkinson in a fourth and a conditional 2022 fourth for a second round pick and a third round pick that goes back to the Lions. Uh, the third round pick is in 2024 as well. Uh, we talked about this trade a little bit just from like the interdivisional part of it um, with Austin Eckler uh, on yesterday's podcast. But Dalton, so far this year, TJ Hawkinson has a 17.9% target share, 78% routes per drop back, 20.5% targets per route run. Meanwhile, Irv Smith, who I don't like, I mean, fantasy analysts try to get themselves gassed up about Irv Smith all the time. It just doesn't do it for me. Um, but he's on IR now, 13.4% target share for him this year, 58% routes per drop back, pretty similar 20.1% targets per route run. So my question to you, Dalton, is does this boost TJ Hawkinson's fantasy value? Does it keep it the same? And I'll, maybe more importantly, does this eat into everybody else on that offense that's still there? 
Yeah, I'd say it keeps it about the same with Hawkinson. It's not great news for Jefferson or Thielen, but not the end of the world. Um, I made two long, longer shot bets uh, before the season to win the Super Bowl. It was the Eagles and the Vikings. The mm. Vikings record, I got to tell you, it does not. I, Kirk Cousins is getting the lowest YPA, 6.6, since he's became a full-time starter. Uh, their, their point differential is the same as the 4-4 four and four Niners. It's just not that impressive. I, I just I would get out of that bet if I, if I, if I could sell it on the open market. Market. Um, but the uh, talking sins a nice move. One other random thought I have on this is I have a pet peeve of the media just treating divisional trades differently when in fact I think the actual opposite is true. Trades are essentially two teams, two teams are colluding together against the rest of the league. And I would want teams in my own division, their timeline to be the opposite of mine. Therefore, I would rather a team who's already better than me go ahead and get better now, but get worse in the future, trade your picks mm. to the timeline when my team's going to be better. Put differently, the, the teams that should be the most upset when, when two divisional teams trade are the other two teams in that division. Because, I mean, that that's the thing here. So it's very odd. To me. I get their PR reasons from a football standpoint or, or in, in baseball, this is true, basketball absolutely should be targeting your division not 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 how the opposite is it's it would in which it's treated like the opposite weird to me yeah and the vikings are a weird team because they're great right their record's great they're going to moonwalk to winning the nfc north at this point this year with how um, especially with how green bay looks but yeah. you know this is a team that when kevin o'connell and uh the the gm uh Adofa Mensa took it over like it seemed as if it could be like a rebuilding operation, but then they bring you know back Kirk Cousins and they really don't go that direction at all. And this is clearly a win now move. Uh, you know, getting T.J. Hawkinson, who's no T.J. Hawkinson hasn't quite lived up to the um the draft pedigree that he he was taken with. Uh, he was his sixth overall pick for Detroit a few years ago. He certainly hadn't been that guy, but he's like a solid NFL tight end and is a bit more of a two way guy than most other tight ends. So you know, I think he's and he's certainly a better player than Irv Smith. So I'm gonna I. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to ask you more about this later with Deontay Johnson, but 538 just came out with some some stuff. I know, I mean, especially when I ask you reception perception, but their their metrics of getting open and whatnot. And they, mm -hmm. I guess it graded Hawkinson as a guy that was getting brought down by his quarterback position and he, he's getting open like crazy. But I don't know how much I trust that the 538, some of their stats have just been so off. They had like the Warriors is is 10% chance to win the finals when, when, when they were in the finals or so. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that new stat that came out this week? Yeah, well, it's, it's I think they came out with like a dashboard. I haven't looked at it as we're recording this. I was going to uh, check it out a little bit later, but um, you know, I, I do think uh, Brian Burke is the one who in ESPN and him and Seth Walder were the two that work on it. They're both really sharp guys. I think obviously they do a lot of great work. Um, Brian had actually even like asked her thoughts on it at one point too. Uh, for me over the off season uh, was like, dude, Kendrick Bourne, like they, they, this metric loves him. Do you have any Kendrick Bourne, like RP stuff? I was like, nah, I, I don't, I haven't, haven't looked at Kendrick Bourne, uh, you know, unfortunately, but um, you know, I'm too, too busy fighting off the Kyle Pitts bros, the chart Kyle Pitts bros. They're not as, they're not as loud during the season as they were in the off season. I'll tell you that. But anyways, I think one thing that's interesting about them and, and this does like reflect with Deontay Johnson that we can talk about a little bit later is like, I know they weigh, um, like the getting open versus man coverage versus getting open against zone coverage a little higher, which um, I've also rated like you know, typically when guys are big man beaters, I, I think that's more important than zone. But then again, at the same time, teams play more zone coverage um, right now than ever before. So that's a whole other thing, but I definitely look at uh, one. I, I'm never going to sit here and be like, Oh, you know, only listen to me or like reception perception when it comes to telling you who's getting open. You don't, you, I'm not going to be that guy. You don't have to do that, but I'm just like, I think it's really cool 
that they've come out with this, um, that PFF has come out with like route uh, wind data, stuff like that, because um, this is stuff I've been thinking about for like the last decade. This has like been the obsession of my life for the last decade. And I just think it's cool now that other, you know, big mainstream sites are, are putting this stuff out because I think it's the most important part about wide receiver data for sure. And it's cool. That they're doing it uh, about tight ends as well. Maybe that'll get the uh, chart tight end people off my back. Yeah, totally. Sorry. I didn't mean to throw that at you unprompted, but I think fig- I really wanted your opinion, you know, as much as anyone's. No, for sure. I mean, and look, uh, talk about confirming priors. Uh, you know, Seth Walder, who I, I mentioned, you know, works for ESPN uh, Analytics. He um, just tweeted something out to like sort of promote the debut of the dashboard, like just how much better receiver play was for Russell Wilson in Seattle versus Denver. And I was like, yeah, buddy, it is. And I've been saying that, <laughs> you know, so if we're, if, hey, we're on the same page here. I know we're on the same page about a few other players. That's good. And, you know, there's going to be some differences along the way. But um, a lot of it does track with, like, guys that get open in reception perception, stuff like that. So, um, yeah. yeah no, Deontay I, Johnson I, I, has a lower passer rating this year than if you threw an incomplete pass. I, I believe I Let's, read that we'll, correctly. We'll get to it. We'll, and we'll get I'm just to saying it. it's, it, you would like the way this new system grades him. You, it would line up more to you. Yes. It, yes. Okay. I, I, I know. I know. Yeah. I, I'm familiar with Deontay Johnson in that, <laughs> in that particular system. But we'll get to Deontay Johnson because, I mean, God, I could go thir- 30 minutes on the Steelers offense, but we'll try to make me not. Um, all right. So basically, though, uh, on the Hawkinson thing, just good news. I think it's good news for his fantasy um, outlook because he's going to be in an offense. I guess it's going to score more touchdowns than the Lions, most likely. Yeah, totally fair. And I, like I said, hopefully it helps uh, Cousins, who's been remarkably inefficient in this new coaching staff. Man, I expected I expected far more from him, really. I know they're winning games, though. Kirk Cousins is still Kirk Cousins. That's the long yeah, and short of it. Totally. All right, let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys here. And of course, it's got to be a Pollard Zeke debate. Uh, we had Austin Eckler kind of weigh in on his thoughts and how those two guys really complement each other. I thought he had a good breakdown of that. Um, but I do want to just bring up a few more stats here. Rushing success rate so far this year, Tony Pollard, 43%. That's 11th best among running backs with 50 plus carries. Zeke, not terrible, 39%. Runs of 10 plus yards, though, obviously that goes to Tony Pollard, 16%. Zeke, 7.3%. And then this one's big. I saw Mina Kimes put this out. Tony Pollard, since 2021, has rushed for 5.6 yards per carry between the tackles. That's the second most among all backs. Zeke, again, not terrible, ranks 38th. So, Dalton, are we just at a point where I want to know what you want to do with Tony Pollard in fantasy because I clearly want to see more of Tony Pollard on the field, but we know that Jerry's got intense loyalty to Zeke. It's got to be super frustrating to be Mike McCarthy and like see a back have that kind of performance and then be like, well, can't do anything about it because the owner says so. Yeah, Zeke is a better pass protector. It must be noted. But man, Pollard had three rushing touchdowns on 14 carries. Zeke's never had a three rushing touchdown game in his career. He's just so explosive. Um, Man, uh, yeah. I mean, it was a nice matchup for him at home. But uh, yeah, putting up the fantasy points. It's it's been, uh, you know, it's rare when everyone's like waiting for the opportunity and the guy steps in and finishes as a top three guy as expected. But um, I'd like to have seen even more touches out of him. But it's going to be more of the same with, with Zeke coming back. If he's healthy enough to get out there, he's very, very tough. I mean, he almost even suited up this game. Props to him for rarely missing games i mean credit for a guy i mean he could just be sitting this out in his contract with a viable backup also credit for him too, letting pollard play too and not you know not forcing himself oh, yeah. on the field there too so um that said it's just going to be frustrating for fantasy managers and more of a split but yeah if if zeke went down you'd be looking at the proverbial league winner clearly pollard's capable of being a top three type fantasy back moving forward if given the opportunity i do think that um we could see maybe 
the 60 40 type split um go more pollard 60 zeke 40 i'm not going to rule that out i'm not even going to rule that it's like 50 50 because these two guys just bring different stuff to the table and i think it's really good for the dallas offense to have a guy like you know i, I i've been one of the people it's like is tony pollard really going to be like a, a between the tackles back but he was ripping those plays the big plays between the tackles like and, and those are turned into chunk plays which you know, this offense still doesn't have like a ton of they're a good passing offense but they don't have a ton of like big plays through the offense so um it won't be I week 10 until Dak plays a road game. True. Dak's, yeah. Dak's yet to play a game on the road, too, and he's had big splits in his career, so that'll be interesting to see that team. But that team is super dangerous, man. They're very, very good. The Cowboys are legit. I mean, they're they're the fifth yeah. in net EPA per play this season, and they've missed Dak for a, a big portion of that. 100%. Let's stay in that division. Another team that, I mean, hey, the Giants are somehow good, man. Um, but I think we've got two wide receivers here that have emerged over the last three weeks as like guys that we can actually count on from this position. Like we're not rotating Richie James, like Marcus Johnson and you know, David Sills anymore at this point of the season, Darius Slayton and Wandale Robinson over the last three weeks have an identical 17.6% target share. Uh, Slayton 33.7% share of the air yards, Wandale Robinson, 12%. I think that kind of perfectly encapsulates um, the, the way these two guys play the wide receiver position. Yeah, they missed Evan Neal last week and facing the Seattle defense. This is really playing far better last week. Uh, Jones, a disappointment uh, in, in fantasy leagues. Um, but yeah, hopefully Slayton and, and Robinson emerges the the main targeted guys moving forward, obviously with Tony gone, injuries at tight end. Um, so uh, yeah, but they were talking kind of deeper fantasy leagues here. Wandell was actually a disappointment last week. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure plenty of people had him in their DFS lineups, uh, weren't super pumped with the results, but I still like him moving forward. Yeah, both these guys, I feel like, are just good bets moving forward. You know, if you need, like, wide receiver five type guys on your on your bench, stuff like that. Uh, if you play in multiple start wide receiver leagues, these guys are, are legit options because I also think they're pretty good. Like, Slayton's not a probably, like, a three, maybe a wide receiver four on a team's depth chart, but a lot better than the goofballs they were running at before. And Robinson, I think, has, you know, legit open field ability, even if I think he's kind of a limited uh, player in his own right. You mentioned Kadarius Tony. I don't think I've gotten your Kadarius Tony take yet, so I've got to get it here. This stat comes from Reception Perception. Kadarius Tony broke two-plus tackles on 19.2% of his in-space attempts in the games I charted last year. The only two dudes that were higher in terms of breaking multiple tackles when they're out in space, the 49ers bros. Of course, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. So, Kadarius Tony. Not just like great open field ability. He has legit rare like movement skills in the open field. So Dalton, where are you at with Tony uh, as like a upside bro, man? You're, you're the swing for the ceilings guy. My Tony take is, well, I do acknowledge that the Giants tra- you know, drafted Robinson and they clearly didn't love Tony. I think he didn't play because he was injured. I think they would have at least seen what they had in him and got him out there. I think it was just this hamstring injury that neither he or the team could agree on how exactly to do it. But obviously there's some weird issues with him off the field, so I don't know what to make of it. But if a- if Andy Reid plays him in that offense, he'll have some spike weeks for sure. I mean, the targets per route run, the yards per route run, all the nerd stats last year, he was like a top three receiver win on the field yes it was a small sample but now in an Andy Reid offense with uh, Kansas City they don't have any dominant receiver demanding targets outside of Kelsey so obviously the upside's there at this point of the year and with how barren the waiver wire's been like I have no problem with someone aggressively using the rest of their fab on Tony's upside but I mean you're sitting in for now and kind of a wait and see approach you're not going to play him right away but obviously the upside's there down the stretch but I mean, between injuries and going in a new system here and the way that Mahomes spreads it around, the reality is, you know, he'll probably be somewhere between wide receiver 35 or something, you know, a, a wide receiver three or something like that when he's on the field. 
I think that's probably the best way to look at it. And like, he could be a guy that probably, I, I still think he makes more of a difference for the real life chiefs than he does for fantasy managers for sure. And, you know, I think he just basically ends up taking McCole Hardman's like slot receiver job next year. Um, you know, Juju is also a slot receiver. He, at least he should be more of a slot, but he's only on a one year deal. I think Tony is still a move for the future. Um, and maybe a guy that we see, make big plays in the playoffs but that's probably like the actual nfl playoffs not your fantasy playoffs and, th- and that might be it for 2023 i think that's all pretty possible i just don't and i still question whether he can ever be like an, an, a volume receiver type although he certainly has like debo samuel potential and this is the right offense to utilize a player like that that's 100 percent for sure um tennessee titans we we're talking about them uh in the pre-show little green room here the titans bro do not rank higher than 15th in any offensive category they rank 15th as a rushing offense in DVOA, and they're the 10th ranked defense in DVOA first against the run. I just find it hilarious that the Titans and they're they're good, like they're going to win the AFC South again. They're a pretty good team. Um, everybody doubts them all the time coming to this year. I don't even know like if they really thought they were going to be that great of a team this year, but they always compete, man. They and they're just the, they're the funniest team in the NFL to me that. Nobody really respects the Titans, but they always win games. And like Mike Vrabel has clearly has a great culture there. And like that stuff matters a lot. But it's just funny that we have not like other than Derrick Henry, we have we have nothing here from a fantasy perspective. People even got themselves gassed about Malik Willis and nothing was there. Malik, I, I was one of them, ranked him and Ellinger too high last week. Malik Willis, I believe, attempted one pass in the second half. I know Houston's run <laughs> defense is bad, but I mean, just getting <laughs> annihilated by Henry and Hilliard when they knew it was coming. I mean, that was really yeah, bad. I believe the Titans are the number two seed in the FC right now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, my wife actually pointed out to me earlier this today, and that seems crazy, man. Uh, the Titans, one thing, I don't have the stats directly in front of me, but they have shut down running backs since week one. Not any is, yep. is, is looks like it's got more than 12 uh, half PPR points. So we're talking uh, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor again, uh, Damian Pierce last week. So not that the Chiefs are going to run much, but the receivers are going to be active here. The Titans, one, one area they really succeed on defense is really shutting down uh, opposing backs. Something to note. But yeah, that is Tannehill going to return? We got a we got a primetime one here Sunday night. I had the Chiefs locked and loaded for my survivor pick this week. Had had the, the Cowboys ready last week and had the Chiefs ready for this week. Coming on Andy Reid coming off a bye i expect a boat race sunday night yeah uh titans first in rush defense dvoa they get the chiefs this week no running back really we care about there they get the broncos oh boy we'll talk about that backfield a little bit later packers that's troubling and uh, week 12 joe mixon cincinnati Bengals. it'll be another disappointing joe mixon game uh coming out of that one let's move on here uh baltimore ravens this one comes in from jacob gibbs highest off target rate on deep attempts 15 plus air yards 40% off target rate for Lamar Jackson here. That leads uh, all the all these quarterbacks here. Trevor Lawrence, 37%. Oh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Matthew Stafford, 35%. Yeah, that, that shows up. Um, so, yeah, it, it just the off target percentage for Lamar Jackson here, very high. And it just sucks that Bateman's now sidelined for the foreseeable future. I mean, who knows if he yeah. returns this year. So grab Isaiah Likely if you can with the banged up Andrews. But, yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson looked like a humongous contract upcoming after the first two weeks. And now there's some struggles in that offense. Hey, I saw a lot of people um, when Hollywood Brown, like was traded from the team, you know, cite the, like his deep target or like lack of catches on deep targets or whatever. I'm like, do you, do you watch, 
do you watch that? Do you watch that film of, of Hollywood Brown? And, and like, you know, I mean, I know Brown drops passes like a spe- he dropped a couple. Like, remember that Lions game last year when he just crushed people in oh. Daily Fantasy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was, I had yeah. him in my this six million survivor, the game in which <laughs> Justin Tucker kicked a, the NFL record field goal off the bar. Yeah, I remember it vaguely. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, Dalton gets booted from his Survivor League, and I think he's mentioned it more times <laughs> yeah, on this okay, show okay. than any other. <laughs> you can keep, hey, keep it coming. I'm not trying to stop you. But um, no, that yeah. was an epic game. Yeah, they had to get a fourth and seventeen before that longest kick ever. Uh, yeah, that was that was crazy. Yeah, bad drop that game. Yes. Yeah, bad drops in that game, and those certainly happened for Marquise Brown. But man, like on the other end of it, I love Lamar, dude, and and I I've said this about uh, Lamar Jackson when talking about. Um, you know, when talking about Bateman is that everybody and talk, especially talking about Marquise Brown, I love Lamar Jackson, but like Lamar Jackson is a Twitter pet favorite. And like, you can't really go on Twitter and like criticize Lamar Jackson. Cause then everybody, every like big media analyst that, that loves Lamar is going to tell you you're an idiot or whatever. And it's always like Hollywood Brown's fault. It's always Rashad Bateman's fault, but yeah, Lamar just has holes in his game. He's great, 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 great player. And like, he should get his contract extension yesterday. Um, actually probably like, <laughs> 30 yesterday's ago, 50 yesterday's ago, but he's got holes in his game and the vertical passing is certainly um, a big part of it. So I do think Isaiah likely, even if Mark Andrews gets back, could be a big part of this passing game because that's just where the area where Lamar Jackson wins. Yeah, like I said, grab him and tight ends are so bad. Uh, Just to note, what about Trevor Lawrence second on this list? Interesting. Yeah, let's we'll talk about him when we get to the Jaguars section because they did make a trade, although it doesn't matter for this year. But we'll talk about Trevor Lawrence there. Miami Dolphins, the interconnective tissues between the Dolphins and the 49ers continue. They trade for Jeff Wilson for a fifth rounder due to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they also make a huge swing here for Bradley Chubb. Uh, they give back a 2025 fifth rounder for Chase Edmonds, a first round pick and a 2024 fourth round pick. Um, this this feels like the biggest like Rams inspired move. Uh, this trade for Bradley Chubb in the middle of the year. Obviously, you can make the comparisons to to Denver and and uh, Von Miller last year. But, you know, for fantasy, what do you think about the Jeff Wilson trade here for uh, the Miami Dolphins? Because so far, the Dolphins are third in passing DVOA, DVOA this year. They're 19th in rushing DVOA, which I think is kind of surprising. Yeah, well, McDaniel uh, joining there. Yeah, with that, the, the one criticism I've seen about Chubb there is the lack of contract extension as well. So he's going to have some leverage during the offseason. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, Jeff Wilson definitely should be uh, grabbed in deeper fantasy leagues as the clear backup to one of the most injury-prone backs over the last decade in Marheem Mostert. Love Mostert. Hope he can stay healthy. But a lot of upside in this offense. I mean, Tua leads the NFL with 9.0 YPA this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in this in this offense, sure, Jeff Wilson knows the McDaniel system. So he's he's one of the more valuable fantasy backups now. Do you think it's just a straight backup, or do you think he could be like a 50 50 like he could make this thing a committee a little bit yeah that's possible too and then that'd just be a disaster for people relying on moster but yeah i'm not right. picking up wilson and trying to use him and i mean let's desperate flex or something no. but i love a lot of buy week buys this week that's that's fair but but right away he's more of a stash for me yeah i think so too but i do think i would you know i would stash like i view him as more than just a deep league stash i think like legit yeah. even 12 yes. teams every, you know, for every sure. he's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, cool. And yeah, you brought to the table another Jacob Gibbs stat. We talked about it with the the other side with Lamar there. Tua has the lowest uh, off-target percentage on deep attempts. Again, that's 15-plus air yards. It's nice when you're throwing to Tyree Kill uh, and, and Jalen Waddle there. That, that makes your life a little bit easier. 
Yeah. Two last week alone were underthrown to Hill. It might have cost them touchdowns. I mean, they, they were complete, though. But yes, uh, Tua is very whether the percentages are, are, are extremely right or not. But he's obviously improved his deep ball passing and benefiting so, so greatly from Tyreek Hill. It just looks unstoppable out there. I feel like a fool not ranking him higher before the season, worrying about the quarterback play. Tyreek Hill is a beast, man. He gets so open good, at yeah. will. It's on turf like that. That was just unfair against the Lions secondary last week. <laughs> yeah. That guy is due for so many more touchdowns though i mean it's crazy how waddle keeps getting waddle almost had three they they didn't even challenge when he easily scored a third touchdown and they didn't bother challenging because it was going to be first and goal but that offense has been been awesome man mcdaniel year one and like i said two a 9.0 ypa that's that's the real deal yeah uh michael florio not mike florio PFT, but Mike Florio of the NFL Network uh, put out a pretty insane stat. Tyreek Hill leads the NFL in yards on passes of 10 plus air yards at 691. Jalen Waddle is second at 529. No other receiver has more than 500. So <laughs> those two are just so legit. It's amazing. All right. Next one here. We'll stay in the same division. New York Jets. Uh, this one comes in from Aaron Schatz. You sent it in. Uh, if you switch and look at the three weeks, the first three weeks instead of the last three weeks, the Jets defense in the first three weeks uh, was 27th in DVOA. A lot of DVOA pop on this pod. Uh, in weeks four through eight, they rank third. Obviously, there's a quarterback difference in there, but I don't know if that really matters here. Just something to note for your opponents this week. You know, the Bills, obviously, you're not resting, sitting them in fantasy leagues. But this defense is coming on strong. A couple of other things to note about the Jets. Just uh, the Denzel Mims stepped in for Elijah Moore with Corey Davis out last week. It's probably going to be a committee in backfield with James Robinson getting more comfortable in New York. And Zach Wilson, uh, Jets fans are just, they're, they've had it, man. Uh, his like YPA and his CPOE was pretty good last week. But the, the interceptions were just like beyond disgusting. I, I found myself at such a low bar. I was like defending him in my call. Them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not good. It's it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, no, it's really bad. That game against Patriots was terrible. Um, they need a stat for like distance from where the ball was snapped to where the ball was thrown, because I feel like Zach Wilson would lead the NFL uh, in that. Like you remember how Baker Mayfield every time he would get pressured with the Cleveland Browns, he'd boot right, he'd boot right, he'd boot right. Zach Wilson does that, but he boots like. So much farther back. It's like you are making right, your life right. harder for you. Um, and on all of the receivers as well. I mean, you know, Garrett Wilson is so good. Garrett Wilson's like always open. Um, you know, obviously the Elijah Moore thing is really, really frustrating, but Garrett Wilson had a big game against the Patriots, but man, like he he should be and he should be an every week starter. He should be doing what like Chris Olave is doing in um, New Orleans because I mean both those guys are so good. But dude, it's it's it is a really frustrating offense, and I'm I'm not sure how it gets better. You know, I'm just thinking about we're talking about the Jets defense. They had a pick six against Mac Jones that yep. was uh, taken away from a, a kind of a bogus roughing the passer that was way after that did not affect the interception at all. What it was I wrote that it was the most game changing penalty of the season as far as I could tell, because I mean, it just completely changed the game. It was a 14 point swing and the Jets would have gone up like 10, I think, at the point. Uh, their defense is, is playing far better. It's just something to note for, you know, opponents and fantasy mat matchups. A hundred percent. And this it sort of comes into the, like the debate of. I think a lot of fantasy people want like to see Joe Flacco again, although the team is pretty adamant that Zach Wilson's going to start the rest of the season. And I think he should like, what's the point of putting Mike Joe white Flacco is number there? two now, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 But it's just funny that like during the three game stretch that we saw Flacco, we saw just basically it's called not Zach Wilson. We saw not Zach Wilson. Um, the defense was not as good. That's why the record isn't 
what like it's they were one and two and they only won that one game because the Browns just absolutely pooped their pants. So then then Zach Wilson gets in there and the defense better. I don't you know there are Jets fans out there that were sword and shield for Zach Wilson. I think before this game against the Patriots, but you know maybe they've they've sort of given it up. Probably not, but um, yeah, interesting. They're just a there's they're a strange team right now that I, I want to follow the rest of the way. And yeah, it is really unfortunate that. Denzel, I've been a big Elijah Moore fan for a long time, but like I kind of I like Denzel Mims too. I'm I was interested to see uh what he could do last year, but you know they like put him in the hole, you know, put him in solitary confinement. They finally bring him out, but it's only to put Elijah Moore in the hole. Uh, it's just it's so disappointing there um for that team. Corey Davis, you know, could potentially be back this week as well. That just completely muddies the waters. All right. Seattle Seahawks, another Aaron Shot stat. More DVOA pop, baby. Weeks one through five, the Seahawks defense was 30th in defensive DVOA. These last uh, three weeks, they're first, Dalton. Week six through eight, they're first in defensive DVOA. Yeah, much improved. Like I said, they've played really well against the Giants last week. Got some young guys even on their offensive line. Uh, like I said last week, we all owe Pete Carroll an apology. Uh, got the offense and defense playing well, that way better than expectations, Seattle. So, yeah, it's their defense. Another one to note uh, is your fantasy matchups moving forward. A defense that was once in the beginning of the year considered a plus matchup is suddenly maybe a, a tougher one. Yeah, for sure. And their defense is kind of coming together, and it's a lot of young guys over there, too. Like, their their cornerbacks are, are rookie, rookies this year, especially Tariq Woolen has really emerged as a guy that can, you know, get it done against number one receivers. And, you know, Pete Carroll kind of having the last laugh here about his defense changing over. Geno Smith is the starting quarterback. So, yeah, man, I, I think this – I definitely think that we need to adjust expectations for the Seahawks defense, even if they're not going to be first the rest of the way. Like, if they're just, you know, 15th, 17th best defense in the NFL, something like that – they're they're not just going to be a get everybody in the pool type of game like the Lions are right like everybody goes against the Lions you start every single one of them but uh, that might not be that way for the Seattle Seahawks much longer. Yep, makes sense. Uh, I was uh, looking forward to a Seahawks decline without Russell Wilson, but nope, there's 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 nothing here. They are what uh, they're leading the division. Pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, and like who's gonna knock who's gonna knock them off in that division? Uh, I don't know any other good teams in in the mm-hmm. NFC West, Dalton. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about them after the ad, after the break. <laughs> yes, uh, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will hit on the rest of the stats for week nine. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, I'm grouping these next two teams together because they play each other. This week, the L.A. Chargers and the Atlanta Falcons. Cordero Patterson had his practice window open to, uh, you know, back, come back and practice. He can come back and play this week, uh, which is good because I was kind of sweating the fact that I was like, man, I told Rain Wilson on the podcast yesterday not to not to play Tyler Algier because I thought Patterson might be back this week. I'm like, he needs to go ahead and, get, and, and be back there because this is a great matchup for Patterson if he comes back. We know the Falcons have been a good rushing offense this year. They rank 10th in rushing success rate. And the Chargers, meanwhile, allow the league's highest, again, 5.7 yards per carry. 
Yeah, they're getting absolutely killed on the ground. So that would be big news if CPAT is back. Um, although first game back, I would imagine it'd be some somewhat of a timeshare, but definitely something to note. And then on the other side, uh, I'm very curious. Uh, Keenan Allen's health. He remained out of practice. Mike Williams is obviously out. So Gerald Everett and Josh Palmer, if he can get healthy, I moved way up my rankings this week. An indoors matchup with a high total. And your guy Eckler has, what, 27 targets over his previous two games? Something crazy. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's the big big note here is the 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 health of keenan allen with with mike williams sidelined yeah seriously like we gotta get gotta get keenan out there because like this is a huge game potentially these falcons cornerbacks beyond uh aj terrell who's been banged up like they are terrible they've been giving up big games to like you know everybody that plays them pretty much uh you know dj moore got going against some terrace hey they got terrace marshall going man like that's when you know you're down bad at the cornerback position so yeah this could be a big game for palmer this could be a big game for allen if he plays next one up here we've got the bengals joe mixon tied for the lead in goal line carries 15 percent target share just 5.4 percent of his carries have gone for 10 plus yards Dalton, Joe Mixon, man, like all the usage is there, but my God, the results have been terrible. Yeah, it's possible in this game script. He blows up this week with no uh, chase. But yeah, that's not the juice hasn't been there. Obviously, the opportunities have been there and you get more opportunities when you fail, too. So it's a little bit of a chicken and egg thing here. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not what fantasy managers expected. The targets and the and the catches are really encouraging to see for sure. And you think he's due for some touchdown regression. Again, it helps without chase, too. So I think he'll be fine moving forward. But um, yeah, I don't know. Is he playing through an injury or, or the offensive line just hasn't quite gelled but certainly the uh the big plays just have not been there yeah you know we talked so much in the preseason about scott's um you know younger running back article and you know joe mixon's 26 he'll turn 27 uh well he, he'll turn 27 next year so he's certainly not like in the 27 28 danger zone that, but an old you know, scott, well, an older one right he came in the exact, league young yes. yeah yeah, he he came into the league in 2017 where all these other, you know, these other guys, that same class, uh, you know, they're kind of starting to get there as well. So, yeah, definitely something to keep in mind. These guys who, who get these big workloads and, you know, Mixon has been absolutely it's weird that they've taken now they're they're giving these catches uh, and the targets and stuff like that to Mixon would really like if they had been doing that maybe the last two years or so those are the lighter carries you know or the lighter touches right because you're getting hit by cornerbacks you're getting hit out in space you're not just slamming into the line so much I feel like that could be the like a, a way to mitigate wear and tear but they certainly have not done that in Cincinnati um, one guy who's definitely not going to be having any um, <laughs> wear and tear mitigated is uh Ramondre Stevenson that guy's been getting a ton of work for the New England Patriots our next team here Stevenson the last two weeks 56% of the team rush attempts 35.6% targets per route run 27% target share Dalton that is elite elite running back stuff yeah, he had a really nice one-handed catch. He has emerged in that passing down role that many had hoped for. Although Damian Harris is running routes too, but Stevenson's the one earning the targets. Uh, yeah, he looks great. I mean, he looks like one of the five best real-life running backs and in a system that wants to, to run the ball and, and hide its quarterback. And now as near touchdown favorites at home against the Colts team who may be, that may be missing Jonathan Taylor, it's a, it's a nice game script for him to get a ton of touches this week too. So you, yeah, you are super pumped if you drafted Stevenson on your fantasy team. Yeah, he's probably like a top 13, top 12 back rest of season. I feel like he's certainly there at this point. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, next team up. Dalton, take it away. 
Oh, man, are you setting the, uh, the timer? Uh, you got to love to see <laughs> CMC doing the touchdown hat trick right away. I mean, the first time he's even practiced with the team. Uh, one beat writer noted it was the first time CMC's won Offensive Player of the Week, which is remarkable to me. It's kind of um, crazy. Yeah, so uh, the net EPA, you know, which I said earlier, the top three teams in football are the Eagles, Bills, and Chiefs. So that stat seems to check out there. Number four, our San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> Love to see it entered healthy, actually, in the bye. And I'll be watching their next game Sunday night football against the Chargers. Um, just because I'm a, 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 you know, a crazy person. I'm, I got my guy Lance behind me. Still, still the artwork up. Uh, I personally wanted Justin Fields when we traded up for the number three. So I'm a little bit uneasy here watching that, that, that young man develop into something that could be onto something there, Fields. So that's what we sit in the 49ers. Certainly happy where we are. But uh, the quarterback position remains, you know, a big question mark. How about eight? No against the Rams, but obviously losing one game. Who cares about the NFC championships? It's all about the regular yeah. season. But uh, yeah. yeah, nice performance the, the, going into the, where the splits come from. Yeah. <laughs> that's where the that's where <laughs> the splits really matter is in the regular season for sure. Yeah. No, um, I'm glad you brought up the net EPA stack because it just it feels like a team that's really good right now. And, you know, like, what are they going to Dalton, What are they going to do if they go to the Super Bowl with Jimmy? Like, just do you still just send him on his way to go be the you know Washington commander starter next year? It really will be would be weird if they won the Super Bowl. I mean, what would you? Yeah, I don't know what what they would do with the quarterback position, but it's a great problem to have. I hope we have that man McCaffrey going out there looking looking so good uh, without Depot. But there's a lot to be excited about. But this team is a, has a knack for suffering injuries and uh, and and not putting away leads. That is definitely true. Although, like, there's a scenario too where Trey Lance starting this uh, starting next season for them, and you know, Shanahan took so much crap about um, the rushing you know, with Trey Lance, like the design runs, stuff like that, and he was clearly pissed about you know reporters even daring to question him on this. Um, but then I gotta have to run Trey Lance next year if uh, it's McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, all there, man, like. That, that's just wide open lanes. What's like, yeah, you can have him scramble when he gets out of trouble. You don't need to be doing any of that design rushes stuff. And I do feel, I kind of feel like the CMC trade was made with a, a little bit of like Trey, Trey Lance in mind that like, okay, let's just like fortify this thing and, and go forward. It's funny that that happened against the Rams right away because that's the team they were competing the most against. The Stafford, Stafford even recently admitted he thought he was going to the 49ers. So the Rams beat him out there and the Niners, I think they didn't care how many draft picks. They just wanted to win this trade. And at least for one week, it looked right. But who knows if he can stay healthy. But yes, and next season for sure, man. If he's, if McCaffrey can remain in his prime for another year or two with Lance and Debo and Kittle and Ayuk, yeah, on paper with that offensive line and, and Shanahan drawing up the plays, it certainly looks uh, like there's some nice potential. Yeah, I'll be drafting Trey Lance again next year. <laughs> that is for sure. Have you capitulated on your uh, McCaffrey? Uh, it's a lateral move for his fantasy value, uh, changing teams. I mean, he, well, okay, he's he was like the running back two uh, before going. He's like the running back two now. I don't. What does that capitulate for that? I didn't say it was a negative. I just can't see him scoring three touchdowns on the Panthers' offense. And it's just one week without well, Debo. I'm yeah. just, I'm just, I'm not just, I'm just asking. I'm not giving you a hard time. I'm just asking. I'm open. I'm open to it. If he if he scores three touchdowns every single week, yeah. I'll, yeah, uh, I know it's a convenient week for me to ask you on. Okay, all right. Yes, fair. it is. But, we'll we'll but, revisit this after uh, you guys lose to the Chargers when you're there. Okay, mm -hmm. and you're right in front of your face, Dalton. No, that's probably, that's probably not going to happen. Talk but, about no yeah, two, we'll two teams that want to cover a spread or, or or carry a lead, man. That'll just be who wants to give it up the least at the end there. But um. Fair enough, Harmon. I know. I know that uh, McCaffrey is absolutely one injury away from that looking like a disastrous trade. 
Hey, don't don't even say that, man. My one dynasty team is like it's all C. Like it was always like a hero RB type of situation with CMC. Uh, this dynasty team, I've started like the dustiest of RB twos of all time on this team, but now I've got like Marquise Brown hurt, Mike Williams hurt, and I'm like, geez, I need forty. Po- I need forty points from CMC like literally every single week, man. <laughs> it's like him and Josh Allen, the only things that are working there. Let's one final on, note though, about the Niners. One more, I will say this: is why they why are you trading Jeff Wilson? Well, do you realize Elijah Mitchell's a pretty good backup? That's he's yeah. coming back in a couple of weeks too, man. That's it. Yeah, that's he's. A, would you a keep? Would backup. you stash it? Like, would you keep him on rosters for sure? With uh, oh, Mitchell? for sure, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. With McCaffrey's injury history and his upside in that system, yeah. And the Niners have. I haven't looked recently, but I remember they're just most favorable fantasy uh, playoff schedule too. So, so yes, I would. Amazing, and we made it just under five minutes there. All right, Washington Commanders. News today that uh, Dan Snyder might be exploring selling part of the franchise. So that's uh, nothing else matters for Washington fans. Like all that matters is they get Dan Snyder the hell up out of there. But this matters for Terry McLaurin bros uh, like myself. Terry McLaurin target share with Carson Wentz this season, 5.9%. Target share with, with Taylor Heineke this season, 25%. ODU's finest is here to save Terry McLaurin. Dalton, rest of season, Terry McLaurin. If let's just say Taylor Heineke under center the rest of the season, which I think is totally possible at this point. Uh, they keep winning, you know, whatever. They're not tied to Carson Wentz long term. Is Terry McLaurin a top 15 receiver? Is he a top 12 receiver? I have him 15th for this week. Maybe the return of Dotson eventually changes that. But uh, yes, that's a very healthy target rate. We all know how good of a real life player he is. Uh, so uh, right around there makes sense to me. Top 12 to 15-ish uh, fantasy receiver moving forward, given the quarterback switch, because this dates back to last year. I know it's not just a couple game sample here. This dates back to last season, too. Though. So the connection is real. And what a catch, God. too, that game winner last week, man. That was sick. Did you see that angle where he he juked yes. that guy and then made that game? I mean, it's a game, game-winning game catch. It was awesome. Yeah, Stephon Gilmore's like a good cornerback, too. And I, yeah, and by the end, he's like from Indianapolis. He's out there saying, like, this yep. is my MF my and city. Yeah, like, sick, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Dude, Terry McLaurin... It just it, honestly, like it, it, I get warm fuzzies uh, thinking <laughs> about Terry McLaurin and Taylor Heineke, bro, because they just like they needed somebody to the, the, like Carson Wentz actually having people out there say like Terry McLaurin is not that good. Well, he is that good. He is legitimately like he could be a t- he could be considered among the top five real life NFL receivers if he just had anybody else throwing him the ball. And at least Taylor Heineke knows where his bread's buttered. And, you know. Dalton, I've said this. If if I'm out there saying like, "Hey, you guys are kind of overdoing it with the Curtis Samuel thing," you know you've reached a a, a dangerous threshold. Because I love I love Curtis Samuel, man. He's one of my longtime favorites. But they were just having those like easy buttons too present for Carson Wentz. And when, if you give Wentz the easy button, like he's going to take it, even if it's to the detriment of taking a shot play down the field. And Taylor Heineke is not that guy for sure. So Terry McLaurin wheels up. I agree with you. I think he's he's right there around like. I don't know, wide receiver 12, 13, 14, something like that. Like, I'd rather, I think I might rather have, um, to bleed into the next one here, and these two guys just played each other, I think I might rather have Terry McLaurin right now than Michael Pittman right now in fantasy rest of the season. Yeah, it's a concern. They went so run heavy. I mean, Ellinger got 8.7 YPA, and he drew a pass interference, but you're, yeah, it's a problem with Pittman. I think he could be interesting fantasy just because of his legs, but uh, maybe without if Taylor's injury would help uh, Pittman, and no Hines also, but absolutely, I ranked this week uh, of McLaurin like seven spots higher than Pittman, and moving forward, I would imagine it's something similar, too. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Michael Pittman's target share, he, he'd averaged like 22% uh, with Matt Ryan. Um, in week eight with Sam Ellinger, nine targets, that was a 39% target share. And he he should have caught like the play on the final drive and would have had a bigger fantasy That's day. Right. He, also got ta- yeah. he also got tackled at the one-yard line. So I, yeah. my hope for Sam Ellinger, and you know, by the way, the stat that you brought to the table here came from Hayden Winks. Uh, they had a season low and neutral pass rate in the first game with Sam Ellinger, averaged 29 uh, completions per game going into that. Last week, they were at just 17, which is to be expected, but my hope for Pittman was like we were going to get sort of like the Carson Wentz experience last year, which is like bad quarterback, like first read d- to take it to the one, the number one receiver on every play. And that's pretty much what we got. The results just weren't quite there. But again, tackled at the one yard line should have had a bigger catch here to end the game. But yeah, I don't, maybe, I'm not, I don't, you know, go for it. Maybe I should treat him closely, more similarly moving forward. Cause you're right. Just cause the touchdown, the stats were, were maybe a bit misleading, misleading. And apparently Ellinger's a dot was like, he's aggressive in the preseason and in college, which theoretically should help obviously Pierce too. But I think, you know, they were just running, Pittman to see slants over and over, right? I feel like he can go downfield more, right? Yeah. I I agree. I agree. It's been really frustrating from that angle with Michael Pittman. Just so many crossing routes, which is great. He can do that, but I got to let him go on like nine routes and winning contested situations down the field as well. Uh, Rams, you brought this one to the table. They're second to last in yards per play this year. Yeah, I need to, 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 I don't have the stats in front of me, but Stafford dating back from midway last season, the numbers have not been been good. And now you're dealing with cup tissue swelling in his ankle. So ridiculous. The uh, Shanahan had McCaffrey in the series earlier too. He could have just as easily got injured. What are these coaches doing with their star players in a meaningless game? Uh, McVay called a run play the play before. Like he was he was giving up. The game was 100% over. It was literally the final play of the game. And, and cup got rolled up on. I mean, it can say he feels, you know, he dodged a bullet but he still has a sprained ankle with tissue swelling you know it's not not ideal moving forward and i had made the comment we might see but i'm like this is going to be the worst offense in football if cup suffers an injury and well he he got hurt i mean man it's it's the team cannot run no matter who plays running back and now your cups hurt it's it's a problem yeah super big problem now they're like kind of trying to mend the fences with cam Akers. i mean i i guess I I wouldn't be excited about any running back there. Like Kyron Williams, still mildly interesting, but like now if they're gonna bring Acres back into the mix and like Henderson will still be kicking around, you know Ronnie Rivers when he's not playing his Southern Rock Band will uh will will get in there in the mix as well. But yeah, Stafford is on pace for 17 touchdowns uh, and 19 interceptions. Last year, he had 41 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. Like it just couldn't be a more drastic a, a, environment. Like. I, d- I will say this, though. Hey, uh, I'll be excited if Cooper Cup misses a game. Alan Robinson can get like 13 targets and uh, might finally have a, a big that game. That is true. That'll Hopefully, I wrote Van Jefferson just $12 in our DFS uh, game, too. I know you didn't quiet this first week back, but if Cup misses this, I'd have to get some some targets. You know, it's easy to just write off, oh, they lost to Whitworth and some offensive line, but that's been part of the big differences here, too. Obviously, Beckham helped yeah. down the stretch, but this offensive line, and you look at the pressure rate for Stafford, it's just dramatically different than last season's run down the stretch. It's. I think it's all the offensive line, honestly. Like if this yeah. if this team was um if this team was a more competent offensive line, like they could run the ball, you know, they could pass protect. Like so many of their plays just get thrown right in the dirt because you know one of these guys on the edge or in the interior just gets beat right away, and Stafford has to dirt the play or do the dump off to Tyler Higby, and it's just it's miserable, man. I mean, so yeah, nothing nothing's going to be as good as we thought in LA because of this offensive line problem. Hopefully, they can get it figured out in the offseason. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, Dalton, uh, I wanted you to drop some of those uh, DeAndre Hopkins stats you did uh, in our video earlier. 
Yeah, D-Hop, man, he's leading the league in catches and yards, second in target share since returning. He would lead the NFL in air yards per game, uh, you know, if he'd been playing the whole season. Uh, this The Cardinals are facing the, as we talked about, the Seahawks defense is playing much better recently. But man, D-Hop is just killing it without Marquise Brown. They moved him around the line of scrimmage, more so game one. He played out of the slot than he did uh, last game. I believe it was more Rondell Moore. But it's encouraging to see him at least doing it a little bit because he was just stuck on one side the whole time uh, last season. But whatever, he's back from his suspension. He wasn't returning from an injury, just killing the target share, killing the air yards. So even in a maybe tougher matchup with Seattle secondary improving, I'm, I ranked him actually number one with all the buys in my receivers this week, Hopkins. I just love that volume. And that week is that game, I believe is the, the highest or second highest total of the week too. Yeah, I, I love it. I love the way they moved him around a little bit more. Although the more you get him in the slot, the less you get Rondo more and more just can't like play on the perimeter, which we saw big game out of the slot last week. Uh, next team up, we got a trade to talk about here. Chase Claypool for a second round pick to the Chicago Bears. And it is the Bears second round pick, which will you know most likely be higher than the Ravens. We'll see. But um, this corresponds with Justin Fields like starting to show some life, man. He had never finished higher as a QB 23 in weekly scoring in the first four weeks. Week five, QB 12, week uh, week six, QB nine, week seven, QB five, week eight, QB five. Like he has certainly turned his season around mostly because of the rushing, but now he gets himself a guy in Chase Claypool that I have like mixed feelings about, but um, certainly can step into a wide open receiver depth chart there. Yeah, Fields has been the QB six over the last month. Um, even the passing's improved a little, running more play action. I kind of like Mooney as a sneaky uh, DFS play this week. Oh, nice. um, gets a pass funnel Miami defense. We'll see the weather there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Justin Fields, I, I'm going to treat as a top 10 fantasy QB moving forward. I, I just think, think so that too. he's going to improve as a passer, and the rushing stats are there. So, yeah, I mean, it's we saw it uh, dating back to that New England game when they had 10 days to prepare, and it's just, I was so impressed at, at Dallas. Dallas, uh, you know, the pressure rate issues there. So I, I'm I'm in on Justin Fields from a fantasy uh, commodity moving forward. And another interesting note: the Bears' defense ranks 30th in DVOA all like DVOA week um, uh, on the road and fifth <laughs> fifth at home. Fifth at home, so big drastic difference. But they're trading away all their players, so I think there should be some points scored this week, barring weather. But it's worth noting just how much better this defense has performed at home, and, and this is an offense ascending. I think they're going to win this game. This is my favorite bet of the week, by the way. I like it home, Ooh. home dog five and a half against the, I mean, I like two and whatnot, but no, I, this, this bears team's moving in the right direction. I like that call. And I agree with you. They're moving in the right direction. Any thoughts on the Claypool trade? I mean, yes, I totally ignored that. It was a nice move. Is he really younger than Velas Jones? I, I, I saw that tweet. Yes. Is that true? Okay. That is true. Yeah, dude, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of dudes that are younger than, than Velas Jones. Uh, DK yeah. Metcalf is younger than Velas <laughs> Jones. Is Andy that's and real? I really? That's on funny. Monday. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. real. That's funny. Yeah, no, I, I Claypool, great. Why not add a guy like uh, the yeah, compared to Megatron? Sure, for Fields, help him out. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, and Mo yeah, Mooney's seen all the target share, but this is still a run first offense. I don't. I'm not getting super excited for Claypool fantasy terms uh, this year. I like the biggest thing for that trade for me is that helps Fryermuth and and Pickens and Johnson in, in Pittsburgh. That really condenses those three. I like that because uh, Najee Harris, you know, might be the new Trent Richardson. Oof. Yeah, we'll get to that later. I don't know that. Um... <laughs> I don't know that uh, Claypool's going to be a big fantasy factor this year, but like they're just making the bet that like let's get this guy in the building now rather than like draft a guy in the second round next year and you know let him start building some chemistry with each other. Totally. All right, next one up, Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Your guy, Amari Cooper, 
the roads, the home road splits still remain absurd. He's not scored a touchdown on the road this season. Uh, Rich Rebar pointed out that uh, on Monday night, that was career touchdown catch 34 in a home game versus 17 on the road. What an, I mean, it's just an absurd split. There's not too much to say with the Browns, but just that, that split is crazy. I mean, it is something to note in DFS. I mean, obviously you can't really do yeah. much unseasonal, but I mean, it is just wild. I mean, this year on the road, seven catches, 14 targets, 100 scoreless yards. At home, all five of his touchdowns, he's averaging 90, 91 yards and 32 catches. I mean, it's, just, it's insane. <laughs> they're on a bye this week, but then they get, they're in Miami the week after. They're in Buffalo in week 11. They get Tampa Bay home. This one will be interesting. How drastic are the home road splits? Week 13, they're in Houston. Now, I mean, they could just run the piss out of the ball with Nick Chubb, like for, you know, 3 billion yards in that game. But still, that will be an interesting one to test the theory for sure. Next one up here, we got the Denver Broncos. Uh, obviously, the, the Bradley Chubb trade was the, was the big thing, but they get back Ch- Chase Edmonds in this one. Chase Edmonds, I don't know why he learned. He, like they said after the game or after the trade, oh, we like him as a potential third down back. Chase Edmonds is like forgotten how to catch. He leads all running backs with a 33.3% drop rate this year, Dalton. Yes, um, yeah, it's been it's been bad. Uh, Broncos also he joined a team that's second to last in EPA per rush. Only the Bucks have been worse this season. That's not a situation that I'm interested in fantasy. The Denver backfield, uh, obviously, situationally you may need to use one. Murray will get some goal line scores here and there, but that's a that's a rough one for fantasy. Very rough. Uh, Green Bay Packers, next one up here. Dalton, hit me with some of those Aaron Jones stats you had uh, on the video we did earlier because I need to hear him again because I have so much Aaron Jones. Man, yeah, coming off a season high in carries and rush yards against a Buffalo defense that entered allowing just 3.5 yards per carry. They were number one in run defense DVOA. Jones forced a career high, 13 missed tackles against them. Leads the NFL in avoided tackle rate. He's your guy, man, and he's really set up for a nice game this week, um, uh, facing a much different Lions defense than last week. Lions have allowed the third most fantasy points to running backs. Uh, They've also sported one of the league's highest run rates against them the last month. They've averaged easily the most combined points during their games this season, the Lions. So it's a great matchup for Aaron Jones to, to, I mean, I think he could finish as the top fantasy back this week. I mean, I would absolutely love that. That would be a good week for me in fantasy. New Orleans Saints. Chris Olave and Alvin Kamara have a 46.3% combined target share since week five. This is why we want Andy Dalton, man, because Chris Olave is a wide receiver one and Alvin Kamara is a running back one with Andy Dalton behind center. Yeah, Kamara is getting what is his career high in targets per for, for quarterbacks, 7.1 targets per game with Drew Brees. He's seen 8.8 with Andy Dalton, courtesy Graham Barfield tweet. Uh, pretty remarkable. Winston was down to 5.4, so... Man, you love all this, uh, all the targets, and you love to see the the touchdown regression hit all at once last week for him scoring three times. Yeah, love to see that. Um, all right, Tampa Bay, another hey, another DVOA pop from Aaron Schatz that you brought to the table here, Dalton. Opposite of the Seahawks defense, pretty much Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Weeks one through five, they're first in defensive DVOA. Weeks six through eight, they're 29th. This is definitely a team that we can target right now as there's a lot of injuries in the secondary and, of course, in the pass rush department with Shaq Barrett. Yeah, too bad I don't think the Rams can do much this week. But, yeah, it's something to <laughs> note. It's not just the the Bucks offense that's, that's you know, uh, troubling with Brady. It's also a defense that's totally crumbling after a really hot start. ton of secondary injuries in the secondary, as you mentioned. So, yeah, that's absolutely something to note when you're looking at uh, future matchups. 
Devin White, too, man. I mean, he's playing really poorly. Uh, they're a linebacker who you know had a great Super Bowl run, but uh, has played really poorly this year for sure. Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, this is where I remind you that things like yards per target and yards per route run uh, can be a uh, not individual wide receiver stat, but an environment stat, a usage stat, and a who he was playing around you, and, of course, a quarterback uh, stat as well. Devontae Adams, 34th this year in yards per target, 19th in yards per route run. Yeah, after that week one, too, it was like, ah, I ranked him too low. Looks like he's going to be yeah. a fantasy monster in his new environment, but just hasn't been there. Kind of gave him a pass last week dealing with an illness all week. A lot of the Raiders were sick and missing practice. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been ugly. I mean, that wasn't just a bad game. I mean, it was a what was it? A goose egg or a near one. So yeah, yeah, really bad. Yeah. Frustrating. Yeah. So just a reminder, um, those stats don't just, you know, they're not wide receiver stats, but that's another thing. Uh, <laughs> Carolina. P.J. Walker ranks 13th in EPA per dropback these last two weeks. He's averaging 11.1 air yards per attempt. That's third highest among quarterbacks. P.J. Walker like hasn't just been like, okay, he's getting the ball to D.J. Moore. That was, that's what matters. Like He's been flinging that thing downfield, and he's been playing pretty well. Um, I hope we keep seeing P.J. Walker the rest of the year because he's exciting for fantasy, and he is certainly, like I don't know, could be a longtime backup in the NFL. Yeah, if you look at the accurate rate to catchable balls for DJ Moore, they've been way up with uh, with Walker. Um, yeah, he's impressed. I'd really like to see that a rematch of the Rams game from two weeks ago with the, with their offense ready now because Carolina yes. wasn't ready. I'd like to see. I, honestly, I think that'd be like a pick 'em, especially with Cup out, even in LA. I think this Carolina team's feisty for sure and really interesting. Um, and 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 Walker should should get the chance to start over the rest of the year. Totally agree. Jacksonville Jaguars, they make a trade uh, at the deadline. It doesn't matter for this year, uh, but they are trading for Calvin Ridley. And, you know, there's a lot of conditions on the picks they've given back, and including like if he signs a contract with this team, it becomes a second round pick. Uh, but of course, he has to get back. He has to play well. He has to be reinstated. He's not going to play the rest of the season because he's suspended. The earliest um, he can apply for reinstatement is February 15th, I believe. But I want to remind people you know, reception perception stat here. Calvin Ridley, 2018 to 2020, never ranked below the 89th percentile in success rate versus man coverage or the 81st percentile in success rate versus press. And my God, Dalton, like what does Trevor Lawrence need? I, I know Trevor Lawrence obviously hasn't been perfect, but I think he's been an average, you know, functional quarterback. I don't think he looks like a bust out there, but there's certainly holes in his game. But my God, the one thing he needs is a dude that can play on the outside and can get separation. Like if you, I, I don't want to be seeing Marvin Jones and Zay Jones as your outside receivers anymore. So Calvin Ridley, it doesn't matter for this year, but love this gamble by the Jacksonville Jaguars because this is exactly the type of guy they need. I'm not sure if he's intentionally being funny or not, but Doug Peterson said he's betting on the future, uh, bringing in uh, Ridley. So you you, you love if to anybody that. could would do it, it's Doug. It's definitely Doug. Yeah, if anybody yeah, okay. would do it. I, well, I respect that for sure, um, and I, I respect the move as well. Uh, great, great addition here, uh, Lawrence. As we noted earlier, what second uh, worst and off target per percentage on deep throws? Ridley should help there. Let's move. You know, Kirk was the slot guy. Um, that's where he belongs. Uh, just quickly on Jacksonville, Etienne is the guy, the complete guy taking over that backfield and has to be treated as a borderline top five fantasy back weekly moving forward. But, you know, given the matchup, he's top top five or top 10, whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, he's he, like next year. Jaguars could come in and, you know, they got ETN established as an RB one. They get Calvin Ridley back. They have a really I still Christian Kirk is a really good slot receiver. They get like a young ball winning X receiver. 
out on the outside there. Now we're really cooking here uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. And, you know, Andy, Andy Barron's favorite player, Evan Ingram at the tight end position, the Steelers We've teased them. I think 500 times on the podcast so far, we know we talked about earlier, they trade away chase Claypool. Uh, they trade for William Jackson and kind of a 2025 pick swap. Cause Washington was pretty much going to get rid of him. My stat that I had here was that George Pickens and Deontay Johnson are both top 10 in unrealized air yards. You brought a Scott Barrett stat that I saw as well. Steelers wide receivers passer rating when targeted. George Pickens, 97.4. That's 28th out of 69. Nice qualifiers. Chase Claypool is uh, 64th out of 69. And Deontay Johnson, dead last, 39.2. Passer rating when targeted. That is 69 out of 69 qualifiers. Yeah, and like I said, an incomplete pass is somewhere around that percentage of Deontay it's 39.5, Johnson. 39.5, I think, okay, right? wow. Yeah, so it's even better than that. I mean, that's just crazy. So, yeah, I wanted to really lay the leave the floor to you. I hear P and Al try to bait you in, calling uh, Deontay Johnson the most overrated receiver. I know you love his route running ability. And like I said, this 538 thing that came out uh, totally sides with you. And it, it claims that he's wide open and it's all a function of horrible quarterback play. Which, by the way, is not going to change t- tomorrow. It certainly helps. Helps that Claypool's gone, but Deontay uh, Johnson's issue has not been targets. It's been the the accuracy of those targets, and that's going to remain an issue. But uh, yeah, I would just wanted to hear your thoughts on him with those stats. It's pretty remarkable that he's dead last. Yeah, it's 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 rough. He's like dead last in yards per target too, and he only has a six point five drop rate this year. Like he's it's not the years before he had like 15 that crazy drop season i think that was 2020 right um kind of cleaned it up last year still some big moments he's like a mistake prone player for sure he does make some some whiffs but it's the offense man like kenny pickett i don't think has been good period i think kenny pickett's been a problem i think obviously mitch trubisky was a problem but it's the offense man this this offense would be I think it'd be great if we were playing in 2015 because all they run Dalton is like man beating concepts. They run slants, they run drags, they run go routes. Like that's it, and, and like all of that is to beat man coverage. And Dalton, nobody freaking plays man coverage anymore. I mean, everybody's like lower than 30 percent. Everybody is like 60 plus percent zone coverage. I mean, there's a few outliers, but for the most part, especially on early downs, everybody's a zone heavy team at this point. Um, you know, cover two, cover three, stuff like that, and all of their stuff is designed to to beat those man coverage holes. No, they do nothing like to take advantage like in the seam routes. They do nothing to like they never run like digs, any stuff like that. That's why these yards per target stats are low for all of these guys. I mean, George Pickens has gotten some vertical looks. He's gotten like some some more touchdowns, stuff like that. That's why his look a little bit better, like the passer rating, but it's the design of the offense, man. It's the same reason that we've got the same issues from last year, even though Big Ben's out of there like Matt Canada is a problem. He's running like a high school offense at the NFL level. He's like a he's like a failed college offensive coordinator. What the hell is Matt Canada doing? Canada doing coaching an NFL offense? It's unbelievable. And you know both these guys, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, are top five in go routes this year as well. And that's another part of it too. It's like great, you've got inefficient routes, an inefficient quarterback, in a bad offense. Yeah, that's why the yards per target stats are going to be low. Like these are all not receive a reason. And I'm not totally excusing Deontay Johnson, who's a great route runner. He is always open and he runs like he runs a ton of go routes too. He gets open on these things, but low percentage throws for a guy in Kenny Pickett, who is certainly not like, like he's not Josh Allen. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have like an overwhelming arm. Um, he's got to be like a timing rhythm guy, but he doesn't play with much timing and rhythm and process. So a lot of problems in Pittsburgh that it's like, great. The target share opens up a little bit uh, with Chase Claypool gone. Target share really wasn't the problem there in Pittsburgh. 
Yeah, Matt Canada is definitely an issue. And uh, I sent you a graph comparing uh, the career arc of Najee Harris with Trent Richardson, and it's pretty similar. It, it doesn't, you know, it's not encouraging. Maybe Harris is just playing through that foot injury, and that's been the issue, and he'll return looking different next year. But it's been discouraging this year. I mean, you have to hope so. You have to hope so because it's really bad. But yeah, I mean, I watch a lot of a lot of receiver film, Dalton. I'm telling you, this is the most frustrating offense by a lot, by a lot, okay. because yeah. it's so because of the way it's designed. It's like what you you, t- you take Justin Jefferson and you put him in this offense. It, it's it's going to be bad. Like I don't know that anybody can overcome bad quarterback and poorly designed offense. I'm if 2015, this offense would be great. It ain't 2015 anymore. It's 2021. All right. Uh, Houston Texans. Let me, let me cleanse myself for a second. We'll get to them because we have a Thursday night game here. Detroit Lions last team up the worst team in the league. Of course, we know TJ Hawkinson trade stat here is I'm on Ross St. Brown, 31.6% targets per route run. That's still third best in the NFL. Dalton, I mean, I'm on Ross St. Brown back to the moon with no TJ Hawkinson and hopefully healthier. And the the volume is still there. Yeah, the Lions are scoring 3.3 more touchdowns at home per game this season. They're due for some passing scores, too. Jamal Williams keeps stealing them all. If if ARSB is healthy, which it seems like he is, he could really eat from here moving forward with no Hawk and a banged up Swift, as you said. Big time, man. I I, I ranked him so aggressive. I think I'm, he's my fifth wide receiver uh, this week. Yep, uh, I agree. I think I'm going to have him as a top five receiver on the board as well. All right, Thursday night football. We got our two teams. Ironically, like we have one from the bottom, one all the way at the top. I mean, this is a real big mismatch here. Eagles minus 14 at the Houston Texans. Brandon Cooks was not traded at the deadline, Dalton, although he did have a cryptic tweet right at the uh, right at the deadline. But do you see that? Yes. Yeah, he's not happy. Yeah. Yeah, clearly not happy there, which is a little weird. Like, I mean, you. What did you think you were getting into when you signed with the uh, you re-signed with the Texans? I mean, I don't know. Brandon Cooks, though, without Nico Collins last week and a mid-trade speculation, I think Nico Collins probably misses this game here. 83% routes per drop back and a 44% share of the air yards. That's great uh, because the air yards were really going towards Nico Collins' way. So the problem here, though, and this is my Eagles stat, the Eagles are first in yards per play in the passing game on offense. They allow the second lowest yards per attempt on defense there so man um i guess cooks is like in starting consideration but i don't feel good about almost anybody on houston here dalton yeah mills plays better at home but cooks make sure he's even gonna play this game he would have tied eric dickerson for the most traded player i believe in nfl history if he was moved but yeah not happy there uh look for damian pierce to bounce back he he was just had to face that tough titans defense and the eagles for what it's worth if i think it's the second most epa per rush they've allowed i don't know how 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 that translates for fantasy value but i do think pierce bounced back jordan davis also going to miss this game too Uh, they've already ruled him out despite big you know two touchdown underdogs i do think the running back can still provide decent fantasy value here with pierce who's so good and continues to be more involved as a receiver um but yeah the eagles are just uh so good and they get out to these big leads It'll be interesting to see if the team eventually pushes them for four quarters, but they have quite a matchup here against a Houston defense that's allowed the week's overall PPR RB one or two in five of seven games <laughs> oh uh, this year. That's a stat from Ian Hardett. Uh Pretty wild. <laughs> uh, so Miles Sanders, this is a, this is a big week for him. Uh, probably pretty much a big week for everybody. And the Eagles are beautiful, man, because they're so highly concentrated 
you play AJ Brown, you play Dallas Goddard, you play uh, Devonta Smith, you play Miles Sanders, you play Jalen Hurts, and and that's it. Like the ball pretty much doesn't go anywhere else. And with Houston, you play Damian Pierce, maybe Brandon Cooks, and that's that's kind of it. Like this is a very easy game to preview because it, it's very straightforward. One good team where you know where the ball's going. One bad team where we just probably don't want to be messing around with. Yeah, you period. can't use any of Houston's tight ends. They split so much work. I liked Dorsett as a sleeper last week. That was without Cook. So if Cook's plays, you can't use them. So, yep, we're in agreement here. And uh, I, I have Sanders as my RB7 this week. So you just love this nice. matchup. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely like still going to stash Nico Collins because I think he can be a big-time player for them down the stretch, but probably not going to play in this game. So that is going to do it for us, Dalton. Uh, you can follow Dalton on Twitter, at uh, Dalton Del Don, if you don't already. If you can follow me on Twitter, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, make yourself a better fantasy player and improve your timeline by following at Yahoo Fantasy. You will not regret it. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on since the show is free it's a great way to support us dalton you're going to be back tomorrow on the debut of marvin eloquent on the podcast man how excited are you to talk to me two days in a row i'm pumped up man let's yeah looking forward to it big time hell yeah all right well until then we are out